Man, that's good stuff. Why would those people go in that pool? I'll tell you. Number one, it's because Jesus said to do it. He said, I want you to repent and get baptized after you decide to follow me. Not infant, after you decide to follow me. It's called believer baptism. And Jesus said, you're, you're ashamed of me? You're ashamed to go public on me in this life? I'll be ashamed of you on that day. You don't want to do that. You want to make sure if you're a follower of Jesus that you've gone public. And that's what those people are doing. I'm a follower. I'm going to follow him in baptism. Under the water, that old person dead and gone, up out of the water. I'm a new person in Christ. That was a great day last week. God's changing lives here, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about our vision, the vision of Appleton Alliance Church. Here's an important verse, King James Version, uh, Proverbs 29. Where there's no vision, people perish, people die. It's that serious. Vision is very, very important. You have to have a clear vision. Uh, it needs to be God-sized if it comes from God and you as a church you say, this is our vision as a church, and if it's connected with God, it should be God-sized. In other words, it should challenge you. It should be greater than yourself, greater than your resources, so that when it happens, God gets the credit. And it shouldn't change from year to year. I mean, when you, when, when you sense God moving you in a direction, it's usually going to involve some commitment. And you don't get it all in one big package. There's some tweaking along the way. But it pretty much stays the same, and you get it. You say, as a church, this is what God wants us to be and do. Vision involves two things. Who he wants you to be as a church, and then what are you supposed to do? And uh, it's got to be clear. So after a church assesses its situation and prays, and the leadership of the church says, okay, this is our role in the community. This is what we're supposed to do for God. That has to be very clear, and then you follow through on it to completion. Uh, I'm beginning my 21st year at Appleton Alliance Church. We came here in February of 1997. February is a nice month to visit Wisconsin. <laughs> That's a whole nother story. But uh, I'm, I've been honest with you along the way about the vision. I remember when I came here, first time I interviewed, they was that they gave me a, they had a whiteboard, they gave me a marker, the board, and they said, show us how you would pastor a church in the 21st century. And I put down about five things. And then I, I said, listen, I don't know what your vision is, I'm not your pastor. But I can tell you this, I didn't make my decision for Jesus until I was 24 years old. I know what it is to be lost. I know what it is not to know Christ. One thing I know for sure I want to go for it. I don't want to be safe. If you're looking for a nice, safe, maintenance-type pastor, don't call me. I'm not the guy. And my wife was cheerleading this in the background. She said to me, you tell them who you really are. Don't you, don't you show them somebody you're not. Because she's hoping I'm going to, they're going to say, get back on a plane wherever you came from. And she can go back to New Jersey, which she wanted to do. you got to be honest. you got to be straightforward about whatever God's calling you to do. I, I was uh, reading an article uh, recently about singles today. It was very interesting, about younger and even older singles. And it says one of the problems with being single today is people are not honest. They don't know where the relationship is going because they don't want to hurt people's feelings. And, th and it said women are particularly struggling in this area. So th this, uh, th there was some advice in the, in the article. I'm going to kind of tweak it a little bit for you. 
uh, this, is, uh, this is for guys. If she says, there's a slight difference in our ages, what she's really meaning is, you're too old. <laughs> if she says, I'm sorry, I already got a boyfriend, what she really means is, I got a male cat and a half a gallon of Ben and Jerry's in the ice cream, <laughs> in, the, uh, in the fridge. Okay, you get the idea. You got to be clear, you got to be honest about what the direction is, and so that's why every year in our church, we have first Sunday in October, Vision Sunday. So I tell you very honestly, as your pastor, where we're headed. And there's two parts to this sermon. There's, I'm going to talk about what will change in 2018, what will not change. First of all, what's going to change? And I'm going to use the outline. <clears throat> when you walk in, there's a big banner, 2020 vision, what we hope to accomplish in the next five years. I'm going to use that as an outline for the first one. First point on that is equip future leaders. You're going to see some leadership transition going on. This, is, this has been happening for the last three years. Unless you've been asleep in this church for three years, you know there's a generational shift going on. I'm a, what's called a baby boomer. The baby boomer generation is retiring. The first group started in 2008. Okay, we're, we're getting older, and the next generation of leaders is coming in. It's a transition. You're, I preached a couple of months ago on this in the book of Judges. The book of Judges, generation was hot for God, and then what happened? <clears throat> They didn't pass the baton to the next generation of younger leaders, and what happened was you had a downturn, and the people would, would really walk away from God, and it would cause all kinds of problems, and then God would send them a leader. They'd start to move up again. Yay, everything would be great. They wouldn't pass the baton to the next generation, and so you had this going on. We do not want that to happen here. We don't want that to happen in our church. So here's the game plan. We want to attract develop, mentor, and empower younger leaders. So this is a process. This is what's going on. The older leaders, the wiser, hopefully wiser leaders are hanging around. We're not going anywhere, but there's going to be a, a, a handing off gradually of the responsibilities to younger leaders. How long am I going to be? I've been up front with you the whole way. I'm 62. I hope to be in the game here until 70. So the next five years, probably in the senior pastor chair, and then maybe three years, uh, half-time or doing something uh, a little bit less as I hit, reach the 70 mark. But in the process, we're handing things off to younger leaders. My son Brian, of course, has been doing a lot of preaching. When Pastor Dainsburg left, left the void in the executive pastor position, and we feel Brian is ready for that position now, so January he will take that position as executive pastor. Daniel Dinkler, Daniel Dinkler, who's Pastor Dan's son, you're going to see him leading here more and more from the platform. Excellent worship leader. He's already led here. Tara Lind, if you're involved in women's ministry, Tara is, is a, a younger leader, and Judy's bringing her along into leadership. AJ is, uh, is one of our young leaders as well, and he has a whole bunch of other younger leaders in his men's ministry. You name it. Sports, kids' ministry, even elders and pastors. You're going to see some younger faces here. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Uh, just this week, just this week, I had, a past, I had somebody, not a pastor, 
uh, one of the board members from a, a church in the area come to me and say, we've got a big problem. We'd like you to help us out. Why? Got no young people. No young people. No young leaders in our church. This is a good thing to have this going on right now. And we're stocking this place. And let's not forget, we were all younger at one time. That is a young Al Pacino. <laughs> That's how I used to preach with those glasses on. Next one. Oh, look at that. She looks like she should be in Discovery Land. <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing that mullet's not there anymore, huh? That thing's gone. Yeah. It's a good thing. We're gonna, we, we got lots of younger leaders here, older leaders mentoring the younger leaders. This is what the Bible says. Older people should be mentoring the younger people. Lots of fun. It's a dance. It's going to be great. You're going to enjoy it. But this is, you're going to see more of this happening over the next three to five years. Okay, two. Uh, there's going to be a slight change in this point on the vision, and that's planting multi-site churches. Let me tell you what's happening. In uh, mega churches around the country, we're kind of a rare breed that we're a single campus. Most large churches around the country have two or three other satellite campuses because they grow so big in one campus, they can't build again, and so they have these campuses in other, they have these satellites in other places around the city. Here's the problem with the Fox Valley. It's not a problem, but it's unique to us, is that you get on the highway going around the Fox Valley, you can be anywhere in 20 minutes. So we originally said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do satellites, too. We're going to put one maybe on the outskirts of Greenville or Menasha, and we'll make room here. But before we do that, I always pressure test an idea. And you don't even realize this, but I'm asking people all the time, what do you think about that idea? What do you think about that idea? And here's what I was hearing for the past year from people. Pastor, we love you. We would do that. We'd go, we'd go out of bed, and we'd go to another building on Sunday. But we really don't want to. We want to come here. And so here, we're going we're gonna to tweak it a little bit. Here's what we're going to do. We're not going to do the satellite thing. I, I, I hear from too many people, there's a common thread there. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to plant a church on the outskirts of where we are. And we're gonna, it's going to be a separate alliance church. We're going to do this with, uh, with the district. They're going to help us. And we're going to do another alliance church, but it'll be our plant. We'll stock it with leaders. And what we're going to do is something very cool happened. We've been in, we've been in uh, negotiations with Crown College. It's, a, it's one of our sister colleges in the Twin Cities. And they are going to offer a Master's of Arts program here. And we are going to be certified on a campus. And what we're going to do is attract college graduates who will come here. They'll spend two years with us. We'll build kind of a farm team. And they will get a Master's of Arts degree here. And then they, a portion, we'll, we'll take a portion of those uh, interns and we will put them in that plant. It's going to be really exciting in 2020. So there's a little tweak there. And we're going to, in the meantime, though, we've got to make room here. <clears throat> and, the, and we have a plan for that. I'm going to get it into that in a moment. But we're going to keep growing here and expanding here so everybody can come here on Sunday because that's what you're telling me. Third, develop global connections. Here's our vision. We want a sister church, like-minded church, church that wants, has a God-sized vision on every continent in the world. 
We have a sister church in Lima, Pastor Antonio, phenomenal leader. You've heard him. You love him. He comes here. He preaches. He's a phenomenal man of God, and he's got an exciting church. You ever want to get motivated, go down to Lima, Peru, and he'd love for you to do it and spend some time in our church in Lima, our sister church in Lima. Then in Africa, Burkina Faso, wonderful church in the central city there, uh, the capital of Ouagadougou. Problem is, they've had two... uh, Two terrorist attacks in the last year. And so we've, we've not been able to send our groups there. We can't do that. We can't send our groups until it gets better. So um, that's been a problem. But we're not abandoning them. We just, spent, we just sent a, a large amount of money over the, to help with their education wing that they're trying to build. Their kids have no place. Their discovery land, they, these kids are in the hot sun. They need an education building, and we're helping them do that. So we're not going to abandon them. But that's our sister church in Africa. Now we're looking at Europe. In fact, I leave this week to go to Kosovo to uh, check out something going on in Kosovo. But Mark Byram, our pastor over Global, is uh, I sent him out to Germany to look at a possible church in, uh, that's ministering to the East Germans in north of Berlin. Or uh, I sent him, he's also going to France, a possible church we might hook up with in Bordeaux, which is the wine country. And I know many of you will say, well, I'll do that one, Pastor. <laughs> I'll go to Bordeaux and sacrifice for Jesus there, maybe for a couple of years. We'll see. We'll see what what God leads. Number four, complete ministry space. Here's our biggest need, kids space. We could have up to 1,000 kids. We we do. Sometimes we have 1,000 kids back there. You don't see it. 1,000 kids on Sunday. It's like salmon going upstream in in the hallways. We have a plan. We have a plan. I'm not ready to tell you what the plan is. I'm going to tell you a little bit later because we're still putting the pieces together. But we got a really cool plan, which we're going to to go after in the spring. And uh, because here's what's going to happen. We have the the streets of Bethlehem. Last last time we had 8,500 people. We're going to add a night, probably 10,000 people this year, going through streets of Bethlehem. And many of them, they don't, they don't go to a Bible church. And then what happens is they get connected with this. They come into the Christmas Eve service. And what happens? The church starts to grow. That, plus our younger leaders, are working on something very cool called a kingdom campaign. And here's what we're going to do. You're going to hear more about this next fall. We are going to get ready, train all of us, get us all ready. For all of you, myself included, we're going to try and pray for and then invite one person to come and hear the gospel. One person. Everybody can do that. But just think, if everybody brought one person, they hear the gospel, God starts to change their lives. Wow, what's going to happen here? We got to prepare for that. Start praying right now. I'm telling you, start praying for your one person that you personally are going to invite. We'll need lots of room and additional space. We may even probably have to add a fourth service on Sunday. That's a good thing. You know how many churches would love to have our problems? Many. But we're doing it because, and I believe God's going to bless it, because it's all about making room for people to hear about Christ and have their lives changed. Never want to get to a place where you go, and I hear this sometimes, bugs the flick out of me when people go, "Uh, we're getting a little too big, a little too crowded, too big for me. Uh, Really? Really? It wasn't too big when you needed the Lord, huh? Somebody made room for your bootay. <laughs> Thank God for that. But now you have determined no more room. 
Nobody else invited to the table. Good. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. We don't like that around here. We're going to make room for as many people as possible. Jesus said, look, Jesus made it really clear. You work your tail off while there's light because you don't know when the night is coming. You get, to, you get to as many people with the gospel. It's heaven and hell are in the balance. This is not about growing a church. It's not about making us bigger. It's about giving people an opportunity so they can have their eternity locked up. And that's what we want to do. What we enjoy, we got to share. It's the ice cream thing. You take the ice cream, you just want to keep it to yourself, it's going to melt. So you got to give it away. So we got to make room. Five, eliminate debt. Folks, we're very serious about this. It, this campus costs $35 million. And we have less than, we, we just crossed the, the line. We're less than uh, $14 million. We've chipped away at this. You have. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing when you think it's a miracle. I, 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 brag on you, I brag on you all the time in the valley. People go, oh, how much did that cost? $35 million. Yeah, wh what, what did the people pay? Well, $13 million and change is what we got now. And by next spring, our operations guy tells us, Bill tells me, we could chop off another $2 million. It's phenomenal. And that would free up, if we did that, that would free up $10,000 a month in uh, P&I payments, which, would, which would, we could put more towards principal. We're serious about this. So here's our game plan. Every two years, every two years, the congregation, all of us, we put a pledge in. That's for that debt retirement. And then in addition to that, every two years, we give a cash gift at that moment. And that's what we're going to do for that kid's wing. And I'll explain that next spring. Okay, so those are some of the changes that are happening on the, on the 2020 vision. Now, let me tell you something. Let me tell you what's not going to change. Number one, God is not going to change, and that's good news. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. I am the Lord, and I do not change. Pretty simple. God is what's called, this is what the theologians call it, he is immutable. He doesn't mutate. You know the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Michelangelo, Donatello, Raphael, Leonardo. Four baby turtles, and they, uh, they get connected with some orange ooze, and they mutate. They change. That's what mutate means, to change. God never changes. That's why he's, he's immutable. Right? There's that verse in Hebrews that talks about Jesus. Jesus Christ is the same what? Yesterday, today, forever. It's really good news, folks, because I'll tell you what. Eventually, everything you're connected with in life changes. But God is never moody. He never has a bad day. His love is always constant. God, God loves you when you feel like he's loving you and when you don't feel like he's loving you. His love is constant when you're doing the right thing and when you're not doing the right thing. Isn't that good news? Why? Because God's love is never based on your performance. I mean, if that were the case, forget it. We're all doomed. Because we all mess up. We all screw up. It's based on what? His character. Here's the verse. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. Watch this. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful for he cannot deny who he is. He's talking about his character. In fact, it's God's sovereign purposes and plan and love that I'm depending on 
to fulfill our vision. I'm not depending on my faithfulness. I'm not depending, frankly, even on your faithfulness. Because sometimes we can be unfaithful, the Bible says. But Jesus said, if you, if you lock into my vision, I'll get it done. I am faithful. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. I will build my church, Jesus says, and all the powers of hell shall not prevail against it. Wow. Pretty good promise. God is, God is saying, I'm going to deliver on what I planned for you and what I promised to you. Jesus will build his church at Appleton Alliance Church. And this is very important because especially today in our world, everything's changing. Nothing is reliable anymore. I'm telling you, you see it every day. And not to mention the fact that life is so unpredictable. You think your life's going smooth and all of a sudden you get punched in the stomach, right? Sometimes the roast burns. My wife and I went to, whenever I think of a roast, my, my, wife, my wife and I went to Indonesia for two weeks on a missions trip. It's a true story. We come back, and uh, our kids were younger, and my daughter, of course, she wants to tell on Grandma right away. She runs up to me. She says, Daddy, Grandma almost burned the house down. <laughs> what happened? My mother says, well, we had, we had a little incident with a fire. <laughs> so what happened? Brian says, oh, Dad, um, we went for a walk, and, and Grandma had a roast on the stove, and she thought she turned it off, but she turned it up high. And she went for a walk. We came back. There was smoke coming out of the windows. And, and, and he said, Dad, uh, uh, Grandma turned to us at the door, and she said, if the roast is still good, we're going to eat it. <laughs> she was worried about the stupid roast. And stuff. That's the way life is. Sometimes the car breaks down. Sometimes the boss gets cranky. Sometimes the senior pastor preaches a lousy sermon. Sometimes the kids need braces, you have a bad hair day, 41 is construction, you name it. All kinds of things can go wrong. And here's what happens when something like that happens. You say to yourself, boy, I can't wait until life gets normal again. But it rarely does. Because there's always some sort of difficulty or challenge. There's always some knucklehead in your life that's it's normal, it's going to happen. In fact, sometimes the truth is life gets really, really difficult and challenging. Sometimes you lose your job and you, you're having trouble paying the bills. Sometimes your children get sick or a child gets hurt. Sometimes parents fight and one of them leaves and doesn't come back. Sometimes the doctor gives you some very, very bad news that you don't want to hear. Sometimes you love someone, and that person hurts you deeply. Life can be pretty difficult. Here's the good news. Look what Jesus says here in John chapter 16, verse 33. I have told you all of this so you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. Because I have overcome the world. That, that phrase there, take heart, if you study that in the Greek language, it's, it's don't, be a, don't be afraid, don't let it worry you, be of good heart. That's good news. Because our world is going to throw all kinds of stuff at us. But Jesus says, no matter what you're facing, there's a, there's a very important phrase in there. He says, you will have peace, what? 
in me. Sometimes he doesn't promise to eliminate the, the tension, but he says, through the tension, in me, you will eventually find peace. So, God never changes. His love never changes. That's good news. And secondly, the book never changes. God's truth stands year after year after year. It doesn't change. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. There are plenty of verses we could pick on this. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. Next verse, Psalm 119. I have known from my earliest days that your, your laws will last forever. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear, Jesus said. All of that is saying is the book is rock solid. You don't have to worry about it. There's some churches and some preachers that erroneously say, well, it's according to your own interpretation. It's not that solid. It's whatever you want to be. Take your little cookie cutter out. Take this out. I don't like this. Take this out. I don't like this. No. The book is solid. If you're honest with it and you treat it honestly, it's, it's bedrock foundation for your life. I remember in Discoveryland once, I went to the, uh, the uh, cafe they have there. The, the uh, what do they call it? What's that, what's that station? The, um, what's it called? I can't hear you. What is it? No, not passport. One, per one person speak. Garden of Eden. That's the one. Yeah. See, so I gotta turn off my hearing aids. Garden of Eden. I, I go there once. I see this. They got one kid's on one side, one kid's on the other, and uh, one kid's got a recipe. The other one doesn't. They're making cupcakes. Then they cook them. The parents cook them, and they eat them. And this one's got all kinds of. And this one is enjoying them. And the lesson was. The Bible is a recipe for life. You follow it, life tastes good. You choose not to follow it, life doesn't taste so good. That's what never changes. It's immovable. What in this life is immovable? The only thing I can think of that's immovable that I've ever experienced is my mother's hair. <laughs> uh, my mother's 85 years old. I'm telling you, when I was a kid, I used to watch my mother. Shh. Like 10 minutes with the, with the hairspray. I have never seen 85 years. Any, even a blade. Nothing, no piece of hair ever move. Immovable. My mother's hair, the word of God. Immovable. What's the message? Jesus has overcome the world. If the roast burns, throw it away, get another one. The car breaks down, you get rid of it, you get another one. Pastor gives a lousy sermon, send him to Cancun for about four weeks. <laughs> He'll be much better. I'm looking at eight, my last eight years here, and I'll tell you what, I am so pumped. I, I think these are going to be the best years yet. Really. We have, we have a clear and compelling vision. We're unified. We're a congregate. You volunteer like crazy. We just had a, a, 
we just had our um, consultant come in who looks at, our, looks at our church every five years. He says, you are off the charts with volunteers here. You give like crazy. I love you. You're phenomenal. God, God is not only going to bless this vision. He's not going to change. His word won't change. He's sovereign. It's his church. Folks, we can't lose. We just have to keep following him and trusting him and pursuing this vision 110%. And it's like that verse says, we have everything we need. We have everything we need for this life and godliness. We're set up for success. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Let everybody stand. Let's pray. Let's thank God for this place. Lord, on this Vision Sunday, we want to thank you. We, 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 we know where we're going. We know what you have told us to be and do, and we're going after it, and you keep blessing it. And Lord, we want to stay. We want to ride that wave as long as we can. We want to stay in the center of your will. We want to have your heart, God, for lost people. We want to make room so more and more people can hear. And when they come, we want them to hear the gospel very clearly, very clearly preached and taught at all levels to all ages. This is your church, Jesus. And you said the gates of hell will not win. Glorify yourself by making it everything you want it to be. And now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace has given all of us eternal encouragement and good hope. May he encourage your hearts this week and strengthen you for every good deed and word. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.